Hello and welcome to Strange Sound. I'm Joe. Glad to have you with me once again this week. It is episode 68 of Strange Sound and welcome to it. Today is Juneteenth. I'm recording this on Juneteenth, June 19th. Happy Juneteenth to everyone. And now that it's a federal holiday, I hope you're enjoying yourselves. Standard disclaimer, as usual, the views expressed on Strange Sound are my own. They represent the views of no one else, neither my friends or my neighbors or the neighborhood dogs or the cats in my house or my family members or my co-workers or my employer or anyone associated with me or any one of those mentioned or anyone else in the universe. No one agrees with me, no how. Uh, all of my opinions are my own. Uh, as I've said before, uh, once in a while I will make reference to other people's ideas and I will make every attempt to attribute to them um, the credit that they so duly deserve. And if I neglect to do so, by all means, let me know that I am being unfair and that I am being covetous of other people's ideas because that would not be right. Anyhow, here we are, uh, Saturday, Juneteenth. Um, I'm going to record this this week, uh, my Furious Rant blog post, which you can find at big-green.net. You follow the blog link, and you will find many a blog post. If you click on the category um, of political rants, you will find this post at the top of the list. It is a post entitled, One Man's Ceiling is Another Man's Floor. Um, I will read this to you, but you are more than welcome to go to big-green.net and do the various instructions that I, that I offered to you before, and you will be able to find it and read it to yourself. You may like the sound of your voice better than mine, <laughs> or the voice in your head if you read it silently to yourself. In any case, One Man's Ceiling is Another Man's Floor, which, by the way, is the name of a Paul Simon song. Um, ask your mother. One Man's Ceiling is Another Man's Floor. This week, the airwaves were filled with more breathless speculation than we've seen since the last major award show. Biden meeting with Vladimir Putin. The newly repopulated set of Morning Joe was all a Twitter with neo-Kremlinology. They even invited John Bolton on board to share his valuable perspective, though his only use might be as a reverse barometer. That's reference to the fact that he's been wrong about just about everything in the history of time. The talking heads, I kid you not, were hoisting charts that compared the wait times of various heads of state who met with American presidents over the past 15 years. If Biden comes a half hour late, what does that mean? Is Tony Blinken frowning too much? Jesus Christ, I wish I were joking. You would think with all their airtime, they would talk about the IMF treaty or open skies, something substantive. Not a chance. The only mildly interesting piece of this whole sordid drama was the competition for the moral high ground underway between Biden and Putin, each playing to his own domestic audience. In the lead up to the summit, Putin was interviewed by an NBC reporter who asked him about Alexei Navalny, the Russian dissident and ultranationalist, by the way. 
Now, there are plenty of counterexamples Putin could have invoked in response if he wanted to demonstrate American hypocrisy. He instead chose the January 6th insurrectionists as as examples of people being arrested for expressing political views. That's just plain adorable. Putin sees a gang of white supremacists trying to overthrow the elective government as dissidents and freedom fighters, even though they had the backing of the President of the United States and more than a few members of the institution they were attacking that day. Hardly outsiders, and treated with relative kid gloves by the police. Of course, they wanted Putin's favored candidate to remain in power, not because Putin loves Trump, but because Trump is such a burning disaster. If Vlad wanted to perform some genuine whataboutism, he could have chosen much better subjects. Now, I'm sure he has no sympathy for Reality Winner, who was recently released from prison, because she exposed some intelligence on Russia's influence campaign in the 2016 presidential election. But he might have gone with Edward Snowden, who, after all, is relatively close at hand in exile in Russia. Probably a better pick would have been Julian Assange, who is now serving hard time in London and under indictment by the U.S. Justice Department and whose health is rapidly deteriorating. Assange's, quote, crime, unquote, was the release of the Iraq war documents, diplomatic cables, and collateral murder video for which they've been hounding him nonstop for over a decade through administrations of both parties. You can see my older posts on this. They are slowly killing Assange, in essence. That's roughly equivalent to the Navalny accusation. A credible accusation, by the way. Of course, Putin could also point to, I don't know, millions of other incarcerated Americans, or perhaps the text of our 13th Amendment. The man just has no imagination. Love you, Joe. Yes, that's my rant for this week. One man's ceiling is another man's floor. Not sure what the relevance of that title is, but it's, you know, you can sort of see it in there. I have to come up with a title, you know. Honestly, I got nothing. Anyway, what was I talking about today? Well, this business of, you know, American-Russian relations and the way it's portrayed in the mass media in the United States is just, it's completely incoherent. I I mean, it's like they... (laughs) The people who produce these shows and the people who populate these shows were either were either educated during the Cold War or were educated by people who were educated during the Cold War. <laughs> and they just can't get their heads out of it. It is their happy place. They want to get into that groove and, you know, talk about Putin like he's a commie or something when he's not. He's he's an autocratic, you know, elected autocratic leader who cheats in his elections, I'm sure. So what's new? And and he's he is a capitalist in the sense that, you know, he likes a lot of money and he likes people who like a lot of money and and you know, he's uh he's got an oligarchic rule underway that involves other people, not just him. And it's, you know, it's a problematic set of um, conditions in Russia, and it's a problematic country in a lot of ways, but it's also the country that we wanted to make out of it when we started back in, you know, back during the uh, the fall of the Soviet Union, which I believe I talked about last time. 
So I'm not going to go into detail about that, but I mean, honestly, you get the Russia you deserve, right? This is the sort of thing that we wanted. And, you know, to hear them talk about it endlessly and apply the standards of Kremlinology is, is just kind of silly. <laughs> it's, it's just silly. Um, it was kind of funny, though, to see, you know, Putin invoking the names, well, not the names, but invoking the example of the January 6th insurrectionists, um, the crowd that sort of crashed into the into the Capitol looking for Mike Pence's neck and uh, any legislators they could find as being, you know, wrongly or politically targeted by our by our police force or our national police force, the FBI, the Justice Department, which is pretty hilarious. Um, honestly, it, it, it's almost as hilarious as the claims being circulated by, um, by Tucker Carlson and other kind of right-wing idiots uh, about the FBI, you know, playing a leading role in the insurrection they're always trying to like not it this you know it's it's the strangest combination of traits it's like on the one hand they're kind of proud of it and on the other hand they they kind of minimize you know its impact and say oh it's just a bunch of tourists walking around the capital you know sightseeing or whatever and even though it was a bunch of guys like hitting cops with flag poles and <laughs> smashing windows and trying to strangle people um it, or it's it's something like, well, it's a false flag. It's a false flag. It's a false flag. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, just settle on something. But the idea that the FBI was behind the whole thing, for one thing, undermines their case. I mean, they were trying to make it seem like, you know, Trump didn't have bear any responsibility for the attack on the Capitol. Well, now they're saying that the FBI, under his leadership, was playing a a directive a directing role in a leading role in the insurrection. So they're saying that the Justice Department, under the president who was Trump at the time, <laughs> not sure if they're aware that they're saying this, but, but they seem to be saying that the FBI, which was under the direction of the Justice Department and an FBI director appointed by the president, um, an FBI that had been purged of all kinds of folks, you know, that they didn't like over the past four years, in a Justice Department that was headed not only by, you know, Barr, but then later on by some hack that, that Trump threw in there for five minutes, some other hack. I mean, honestly, that's like saying, yeah, under the direct command of the president, the federal government, the executive branch of the federal government was supporting the insurrection. Is that really what Tucker Carlson wants to say? Okay, great. I'll go along with that. Let's investigate it. Let's find out the degree to which that's true. I'd be, I, I think that would be an awesome idea. Go ahead, Tuck. If uh, Congress won't do it because, uh, well, because they're listening to you, um, if Congress won't do it, maybe you should use some of the resources, the ample resources you have at your disposal to investigate it yourself. 
It's called investigative reporting. Tuck. Anyway, uh, yeah, pretty amusing. And apparently Putin is... Putin's got the wrong end of the stick on that, but I, I can see why he's disappointed, you know, because like I said last week, they like it when we're being disrupted because frankly, we're intimidating. You know, we've got a lot of weapons. We're all over the world. We've got, you know, hundreds of bases all around the world. We have them basically encircled. Uh, many more bases than any other country in the world. Turkey's getting a few foreign bases, but aside from Turkey, there's really nobody else who even begins to get anywhere near where we are, and they're nowhere near where we are. I mean, we have hundreds of bases all around the world. We have a global presence like nobody else does. And yeah, the Russians are, you know, they feel like a lot of other countries, they feel intimidated by us, and they... They like it when we're confused and we're divided against ourselves, and that's what they that's what they work towards. And I said it last time and other times, I'll say it again. You know, the Russians are not responsible for Trump. This past time, they would have liked to have seen him win. Um, they have very little uh, influence in these matters. They they did whatever they could. Uh, the the hilarious thing I should point to from this recent summit with the European, I mean, with the G7 and the European Union and and Russia, is uh, at one of his uh, press availabilities, President Biden said something about how, you know, it was, he, he was like talking about the Russian influence campaign in, in our, our recent presidential campaigns and saying, you know, what would it be like? What would people think of us if we did something like that? <laughs> Which is just... I I mean, I, they reported on this on Majority Report. I hadn't noticed it because I, I didn't watch any of his press conferences uh, during the summit. And I haven't really been watching a lot of television news lately. But I, I saw that they commented on it on um, Majority Report. And it, it's just... That is hilarious. It is simply hilarious. I mean, you got to be kidding me. How could Biden even begin to say that with a straight face? I mean, he surely doesn't believe that. Unless it's just like such an ideologically, you know, well, he's not particularly ideological, but I mean, he's he's certainly well-trained, you know, and maybe he's just got the mindset so burned into him that he can't possibly see American interference as being anything like interference. Like it's just our right to go in and not only influence political campaigns or political races in other countries, but actually actively insert ourselves into those races, actually actively overthrow governments or sabotage other governments through a variety of means, both overt and covert. I mean, which we've been doing for longer than I've been alive, much longer, in whatever sphere of influence we've had. I mean, come on. This just is, like, unbelievable. I mean, it it descends to the level of just kind of funny because it's like, what what would prompt him to make that comparison? 
I have no idea. And I didn't hear the uh, response in the press conference. I'm guessing that none of the reporters said anything about that. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, it would be nice if one of them sort of raised their hand and said, uh, Mr. President, <laughs> uh, you're kind of ignoring most of American foreign policy for the last hundred years. <laughs> You do know that we have had some small influence on political matters, uh, on governmental succession in other countries, right? You do know that? Okay. Sad, but that's our man. That's our Biden. What do you say? So what else do I have to say about this? Well, the summit, you know, what did they accomplish? I don't know. Uh, some vague uh, commitment to continuing the START two process. That's great. I hope that actually happens. I think that's a really good idea. Uh, they didn't end up shaking their fists at each other, which is really nice. There's no major breach, apparently, so good. Great. Anyway, uh, in my blog post... Um, I did suggest that Putin should make reference to the 13th Amendment. I know there are those of you out there who know exactly what I'm talking about with the 13th Amendment. Uh, my understanding of this, uh, as meager as it is, um, is owing almost entirely to uh, other people, activists and artists. Uh, Ava DuVernay um, did a documentary called 13th that ran on Netflix. I think it's still up on Netflix if you want to see it. Um, excellent, excellent piece of work that was uh, so instructive that, and I have to say, I, I I recall, you know, reading the 13th Amendment when I was in school, but never really, I don't know, just never really examining the text. It's very brief. <laughs> It's like the Second Amendment. It was just very brief. But I, I guess we referenced it in school, but never really talked about its actual text. But I mean, the text is is quite, in a way, is quite shocking. I mean, I have it right here, and you know, maybe I'll link to it if you if you're not aware. But you know, Amendment Thirteen, abolition of slavery, is what is probably all we learned about it in school. They probably just said, yes, the 13th Amendment was the abolition of slavery. 14th Amendment essentially defined citizenship in the United States at that point. But the 13th Amendment is very brief. Section 1, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment, for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And then, of course, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Okay, so <laughs> neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist in the United States. And what the hell does that mean? Slavery 
So if you're duly convicted of a crime, you can be held as a slave. You can be held in involuntary servitude, which they saw as a distinct category, but which is essentially the same thing, right? And I think over the years, maybe civics um, and you know government social studies teachers have probably couched this in terms of, oh, well, they mean by the involuntary servitude, it's like you know when you're being held against your will in a in a prison. But that's not what the thing says. It says slavery and involuntary servitude is allowed in cases when someone has been duly convicted of a crime. Now, how do we tolerate this? I mean, that is a <laughs> that is a provision that you can drive a truck through. And in fact, they did through the peonage system in the years after, you know, during and after constru- Reconstruction. If you read uh, Douglas Blackman's book, Slavery by Another Name, he chronicles um, some of that. He he characterizes a lot of that. It's a pretty interesting work. And he's not the only one, but that's that's where I got introduced to this this concept. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. But it's it's pretty astonishing. I mean, how is it just that in punishment for a crime, if you're convicted of a crime, that you can be enslaved or forced into involuntary servitude? How is that allowed? Even if you believe in the carceral state, even if you believe in the concept of, of throwing people in jail who have been convicted of a crime as punishment for that crime, as a way of keeping people safe on the outside, even if you agree with that concept, which is, is problematic in the extreme. But even if you agree with that concept, how can you agree with the idea that they should be slaves or involuntary servants, indentured servants, right? How do you how do you justify that? And the way you justify it is by reference to the 13th Amendment. But it's just like too on the nose, isn't it? I mean, isn't the prison industrial complex essentially just a replacement for slavery? It's the modern version of slavery, and I'm sure there are more people incarcerated right now. I'm sure there's been more people incarcerated in the last, you know, 50 years than ever were held in slavery. I may be wrong. Somebody can correct me on that. But honestly, I mean, I would suggest if you're not familiar with this, and I'm again, I'm talking to, this is mostly addressed to white people like me. If you don't know that much about the 13th Amendment and the implications of it, I would really recommend going on Netflix if you have Netflix and finding uh, this um, Ava DuVernay documentary called 13th. It's about maybe five years old now. It's good, but it's uh, instructive. (laughs) Uh, So give it a listen. If I can find it, I will include a link on the on the show notes and what else? I don't know. It's just that there's, there's something about that 
principle that, you know, if a foreign leader wants to point, truly point out injustice baked into the American system, they might want to start there. Not with the bunch of crackpot, white MAGA hat wearing, you know, flagpole swinging doofuses that attacked the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Not with the goddamn Proud Boys. Just a, a note of uh, advice to uh, somebody like Putin. And anyone else who cares to criticize our system. <laughs> I stand in defense. Not. Anyway, uh, that's really all I have for today. I'm not sure what else I can say about this topic. Um, yeah. I think that's about all I got. That's about all I got, my friends. Glad that Reality Winner got up. About time now. Now they need to pardon her. Pardon her. Stop pursuing Assange. Though I'm not, I'm not a big fan of his necessarily. His his work on the Iraq War and the um, diplomatic cables and stuff like that. That was fine. And as a matter of principle, they should stop attacking him for doing what was a public service and for practicing journalism, <laughs> which is supposedly protected by our, our uh, constitution in yet another amendment uh, that probably has holes you can drive a truck through as well. Anyway, that's all I got. I'd like to hear what you have to say. Seriously. Uh, you can leave a one-minute voice message when you go to anchor.fm slash strange sound. You can also contact me on Twitter at strange sound pod. You can uh, personal message me or you can tweet at me or you can do whatever you like. You can also find other ways to get in touch with me by going to big-green.net. And following the contact link, you will find other ways to get in touch with me. Be glad to hear from you. Be glad to turn this into a conversation. Be glad to, I don't know, do a phone call, do a Zoom session. Um, you can, like I said, leave a voice message. I'll play it on the show if it isn't too obscene. Um, whatever. Glad to have a conversation. Tell me that I'm wrong. Tell me that I'm right. Tell me anything. Tell me the time of day. I don't care. Whatever you like. In any case, that's a wrap for this week. Hope you have a great week and have a great Juneteenth. And I hope you had a great Juneteenth. You'll be hearing it afterwards, obviously. And I will, I will talk to you very soon. Take care out there. Get your shots. <laughs>